All right, Matthew, welcome to episode 22 of the Performance Advantage podcast. This week, pretty excited, actually super excited to be talking to Evan Schwartz from Stride Running With Power, straight from Boulder, Colorado. This is is power, Matt. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I mean, you know that I love talking about power. I do. Yeah. So um, even though it's running, (laughs) I'm pretty excited to talk about running power meters. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So... What have you been up to over this last week? Oh, actually, tell us the story. Oh, yeah, well, okay, yeah. Yeah, okay, well, we had a, a local club event coming up. So, you know, normal kind of week, and I was, um, I came back from the hub camp in, um, with the New Zealand team, and, you know, it was, that was really cool. I got to give a lot of talks, and we did quite a lot of riding, and um, I had, like, really heavy tires on, and I rode with the XC group, and they're pretty quick. Like they're quick, like those <laughs> young kids are quick. And I was like, I was pushing it both days. I was like, oh my gosh. So I took a day off and then, um, cause we had a club race on the Sunday. I was like, yes, I love doing these local events because it's not far of a drive. I get to kind of sleep in and do what I need to do throughout the day. Um, and you know, they start at one o'clock and these are as grassroots as you can get. Like, only just this year we started getting like proper numbers before it was like, um, you know, bits of plastic with some uh, stickers on it, you know, for the last five years. These are grassroots at the best. But, you know, the club does a really, really good job at prom- like they do a really good job at putting on the events, marking the tracks and like doing the series and series points and results and everything like that. The thing that um, at least I struggle with is um, getting to the races. Oh, okay. So these places where we race are, um, you know, sometimes not a, a destination you'd ride at, but, um, and there's no directions on the club website or how to get to these events. But I was like, oh, sweet, I know what it's called. I'll Google it. Okay, cool. Scott's Ferry. So I went to Scott's Ferry. I was already running a bit late. Um, I had changed my tires in the morning. I put some XC tires on my bike and, um i was like oh man i better hurry up i'm only gonna have 30 minutes to like warm up register and everything i was like oh man this is gonna be tight i get there i'm like you know what this is the wrong place (laughs) so i was in the vicinity i was just on the other side of the river it's quite a big river and in new zealand like you're not gonna have a bridge over every river on every part like i could nearly see the venue but i was at the wrong place so i was like oh my god what an idiot so um, I, I properly like searched where it was and yeah, I had to like drive like another 40 Ks. So by the time I got there, I had totally missed the start of the race. Like everyone had gone, small children, like were already racing and everything. And um, I just quickly got dressed and just jumped in. I didn't warm up or anything like, um, yeah, I just jumped in and it was really embarrassing first off. <laughs> But um, it was like kind of cool to not have to keep up with people at the start. We <laughs> talked about it before. I hate how starts are so hard, and like you know, you have to pretty much go hard and then recover. And it's really just not ideal. So for me, not having to deal with the start, I just kind of went in and set my tempo and kept up my tempo, and you know, um, started passing people, and it was pretty cool. And I ended up getting like my PB for my power in the last, you know, at least two years. Uh, yeah, really sweet. cool. I was excited, but, you know, I've, 
no one would like really witnessed it. <laughs> you know, I went to a race. I was fit. I knew I was pretty fit. And um, yeah, it's just, just embarrassing. Just to tell people to make sure they don't do things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, that's not my strong point is like getting to the right place, I guess. That's something <laughs> I need to work on. Luckily, <laughs> I'm not there when athletes need to get to the venue. Yeah. You're not like that. Yeah. I'm dialed before and after, but yeah, yeah that was pretty cool. Um, really fun track. And yeah, I'll just be there on time next time. <laughs> people can witness the fitness. Yeah. I passed someone actually. And, um, you know, I was like deep in the pain cave. I was like, I was going hard and I passed someone and he said something. I wasn't sure quite what he said. Um, I was like, and then I thought about it for a second and he's like, said something about the podcast and he's like, Oh, I listened to your podcast. I'm like, Oh sweet. Well, we'll have a cool story next week. <laughs> you know, knowing that I missed the race and no one actually knew it. But, um, you know, that was pretty cool. We got listeners out there at the races, which was awesome. Yeah, this one time, I think his name's Luke. I was in a half marathon, and the guy gave me a shout-out. Like, oh, you will listen to your podcast on the way down to the race. And I was like, oh, awesome. Thank you. <laughs> it's a hard thing to talk about. Like, like you want to, like, be able to converse at that yeah. point. But if you're yeah. mid-event. like Yeah, mid, like, in in the event. Yeah, <laughs> like, cross-eyed, and, like, it's kind of hard to talk about things then um but yeah 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 cool. well i also did something slightly embarrassing but probably not yeah maybe not as bad as like not turning up to the right place <laughs> for an event oh, i just we got you know i was trying to send out an email to one person and i sent it to everyone on my email list so if you're on my email list you would have got that email yeah but, uh, yeah one of those things but matt uh, I don't know if any of the listeners want to send in a story about how they've sent the wrong email to the wrong person or the wrong email to multiple people. I'd be keen to hear it because I was pretty lucky. It was just a pretty stock standard, like automated response email that accidentally went out to everyone. But uh, yeah, I felt like a bit of an idiot. Yeah, that could get pretty bad. It could. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you're talking private information or something or talking crap on someone. Yeah. Yeah, That'd be the worst. Yeah, yeah. I like I got that email from you because I'm on your mailing list, and I just sent it to you right away. But I that's not that bad. Like people are just like, oh, that that was an accident. Delete. People don't read emails anyway. <laughs> don't tell me that. Spend a lot of time trying to put together my monthly yeah, newsletter. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do have a good newsletter. Yeah. Yeah. See. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Well, because yours comes through to me, and you know, like everyone, I get a lot of emails and you know i was like oh i don't really need to read this will probably told me a lot of this because we talk quite often and um so i usually don't delete them but um i'll just you know click and click out so it looks like i read it and then i, <laughs> I finally read one i was like wow that's pretty good and there was a video in it so i went back actually at that same time and i read a bunch of your other emails i was like oh yeah these are pretty good yeah so yeah yeah, I need to put up a sign-up thing. I think there's only a sign-up for my email. If you sign up to the like five-day mini course I've got on the website for how to improve your training, this is a free five-day mini course. Um, that'll put you on the on the mailing list. Otherwise, jump at the bottom of my blogs. There's um, there's like join the mailing list, Just name and email. I got yeah. I don't spam you. It's like once a month. It's 
pretty much it. Yeah. So you're keen to get some updates. I just sort of, if you've missed anything, because you know social media, we talked about that with Cam, can sometimes be a bit hit and miss. And so if you're interested in some of the content we put out, then uh, it, I just summarize it each month. Yeah. Yeah. I sign up for newsletters quite often. Yeah. Or some of them, like, some of them are horrible. You know, you're like, oh, I just want this one thing that they're offering me. And then they just absolutely spam you. It's the worst. So that's what I'm not about. <laughs> yeah. No, nobody wants that. Plus, you yeah. don't have time for that, really. Ain't nobody got time for that. No, no, I don't. Hey, Will, um, what do you think about the sound of my microphone? Ah, oh, oh, I got man. a new microphone it's, now. Yeah, it's crystal clear. Really appreciate it. Yeah, I figured now that we've like we're pretty committed to the podcast, like every week, twenty-two weeks. I think we missed one. Um, one. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's pretty good. So it was easy to justify getting a proper microphone to make the sound a bit better. Yeah, and so we got offered to put an ad in or like a sponsorship slot within our podcast for the people who host our podcast. And so I was like, yeah, I'll put it put it here. You got to choose where to put it. I put it like 10 minutes in or something, a good break. And I, and then they haven't even given us an, like an, an ad to put in. So if you listened to last week at the beginning of the episode, I just prepped you like, oh, look, there may be an ad in here. Look, don't worry. I don't think that, I don't think they're interested anymore. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you have to prep someone for an ad. Like we get ads all the time in our lives. Like pretty much life is one. Well, I had no idea what it was going to be. Like it could have been something really obnoxious that was like way louder yeah. than our whole. So yeah, the, I didn't those know. I didn't, but then now apparently, since I put it in, once they have found an appropriate like partner for our podcast, then we read the ad. So, little behind the scenes of how podcasting works. Wow, yeah, that's pretty cool. I mean, you, you are as new to it as I am, so. But it'll yeah. be cool. It'd be mean we could probably upgrade some of our equipment with the like two dollars or something that we get from it. Yeah, two dollars goes a long way. <laughs> yeah. Nah, it 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 doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, we're not in it for the money. Right, we're not we're in not, the like, podcasting for the money. So we're sharing in the information, yeah. something to do on a Wednesday morning. Yeah, I really enjoy it. So, yeah, um, yeah. Otherwise, Matt, no, I haven't been up to much training as per usual. Um, chilled out a bit last week for me, anyway, and uh, this week full on into it. I got a big my hundred um, k that I'm doing starts at one a.m. Um, in about what? seven weeks. Yeah. How are you going to wake up at 1 a.m.? Like, I know you're not going to be able to stay awake that long. So I'm going to do a trial run this weekend. Okay. So, so what gonna, is, what's the plan? You're going to sleep and then wake up or? Yeah, I'll go to sleep because that's natural. Like, I'll naturally go to sleep at 9.30 or something. So get up at about midnight, just after midnight, try and have a coffee. I won't eat anything um, because I would have just eaten slightly beforehand and uh yeah then i'll i'll get into uh i'm gonna do a big one 60k run um and just really to test out like how my body reacts so it's seven weeks out and this one will be the first one is just like let's just see how how do i handle you know the 3 a.m 4 a.m time slots because i'd imagine you could get up at 1 a.m i haven't done it before um you could get up and run for an hour before you sort of realize that you're doing something really stupid. Uh, so 
so yeah i'm gonna gonna do that that should be fun and exciting that was one of the reasons i signed up for this 100k actually because it was like time like a real challenge yeah uh i don't know <laughs> you don't look impressed <laughs> no <laughs> yeah waking up at 1 a.m is tough i get it like event wise um, yeah so for the event it, there's a lot of events going on they want them all to finish at the same time um just logistically they can just start everyone who's stupid enough to want to start at 1am and do 100ks and then we'll finish the same time as the 50 in the marathon um you know most people are around midday or something it doesn't mean that you you either start it super early or you finish it super late right like for a lot of people they're going to be 15 plus hours for 100ks and if you start at 7am that starts getting around the midnight you need two round two rounds of lights yeah definitely well, for sure for yeah. sure wow yeah so that's what i'm up to this weekend i'll update everyone on how that goes because yeah. running if i even last 60ks i'm a bit worried yeah um, i think you'll be fine you you know how to pace yourself that's number one isn't it it is it is yeah so so when i am start we'll we'll see how it goes cool um yeah otherwise that's pretty much it from us so we'll get into our interview with evan schwartz who is the high performance coordinator at stride power meter stride running power meter um based in boulder colorado figure out what the company's actually called yeah we're I, gonna have to clear that up once again I'll, I'll ask him i think um, they're just called stride okay yeah but then i want to like let people know that is the running power meter company well they invented the running power meter didn't they oh not sure okay yeah actually because there's a couple other ones out there okay um but yeah um we're going to be speaking to him uh about the new wind adjusted um power meter so the one that can take into account head and tail winds apparently um with new sensors um and they've also updated some of their outputs and stuff like they've got um power zones for garmin and also auto adjusted critical power mat critical oh, power all um, right. and you know like we've done the podcast on running with power but to speak to someone right in the depths of it on the cusp of of the new wave of of running metrics like is gonna is gonna be pretty cool so let's uh let's get into that conversation matt cool all right, Matt, we have Evan here. Evan, is it Schwartz? Is that the correct pronunciation? That's the correct pronunciation. Yeah, I've, I've never said it a different way. Other people have said it and spelled it a ton of different ways, but yeah. uh, that's that's the one I'll go with. Schwartz. All right, so yeah. uh, Evan's based in Boulder, Colorado, and from the news feed I've had on Boulder, Colorado, we probably have to be careful, Matt, that he's not either stoned or on shrooms am I correct? <laughs> yeah n- none of that for me none of that <laughs> so um that's a joke because both are, are legalized they just legalize mushrooms uh, yeah that's um i think that's denver area proper so it's like this the city yeah just a little bit southeast from here i would not be surprised if more people uh, partake in that up here in boulder because uh, denver denver's a little bit more city like compared to boulder is more hippie like but uh yeah i'm a i'm a clean skater so <laughs> boulder's pretty cool for athletes isn't it like there's a lot of athletes in boulder there's there's probably too many but also not enough because it's still a very small place like 30 percent of the city is a uh, college population for 
Colorado, like CU Boulder. Um, and in the summer, when a third of the population leaves, it feels like a ghost town. And then when it's back school in session, it feels more popular. But there, yeah, there are tons of athletes. Like the other day, or actually just this morning, I was doing strides on the track after a workout, and I ran by you know a former like collegiate runner who's run you know like she's top 10 in the u.s and like some of the road distances a woman was working on the track that ran 228 in the marathon just a couple weeks ago and then somebody else that runs for cu is just doing strides as well so it's just like yeah it's it's crazy and then that's late so like earlier there was like 40 people on the track doing different workouts so like wow. a lot of athletes wow. but, okay uh, that's yeah. a lot. it's still still room to grow i think oh, i've actually many... um i've been to boulder I had uh, yeah. a friend of mine, um, he was living and training in Fort Collins. Mm -hmm. uh, so we stayed with him, my wife and I, for about a month. Mm -hmm. Had to go to Boulder, obviously. obviously. Uh, uh, run around the flat irons and stuff. Yes, and exactly. Check How it out. How many burrito places are there? Do they have like enough burritos to keep all you guys fueled? <laughs> yeah, no, it's like burritos and tacos. And I'm, I'm and more burrito? of an American like breakfast person after long runs, but some people do like the breakfast burritos. But uh, I, I, I love a good burrito. There's uh, actually the original Chipotle is in Denver too. So like the original, really? like, yeah, Chipotle uh, restaurant. We're big fans. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, lots of burritos. Very, very good burritos. I think more, more Southwest like Arizona and like New Mexico are probably a little bit better at it. Um, oh. But Colorado still has uh, still has relatively good burritos, I think. Oh, okay, I miss that. I miss burritos. You know, we don't have them here in New Zealand. And yeah, you find them, they're not good. They're um, well, it gives you a, a big market market edge. Then I think if you if you you know round round the market on on the burritos, you just have to import the right tortillas. I think. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. That, we did actually discuss gig. that. <laughs> yeah, we have. We Bringing did. Chipotle to Auckland to be like, yeah, yeah. I think it'd I take think off. That'd be that'd be super interesting. You need to do like a, a sister restaurant though, so something that's like a delicacy or, uh, you know, a really good norm in New Zealand. You'd have to send it back here. Yeah, mm. pies, pies. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Meat pies. That's Meat yeah, pies. that's what New Zealanders love. Yeah. There is a big market market space for that in the U.S. I feel like. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Um. So to continue with that, with our introduction, sure. you sure. were yes, you mentioned you're running on the track, and you have run from Strava a two eighteen marathon, yeah. sub fifteen five k, yeah. and along with that, you are the director of high performance of elite athletes and coaches at yep. Stride. Yep. Um, now, do we just call it Stride, or is there another Stride um, running power? Like, well, I think the it's company name. Yeah, it's Stride Inc. So I have absolutely no idea what that means. So it's Stride Incorporated. Um, Stride Running, Stride Running Power Meter. Um, you know, all all we've made as a product is a power meter. So Stride is good, but when you say Stride, usually in a running context, the first thing that I always think of is S T R I D E. So like you're you're doing a Stride or Striders, like the fast running after a workout. Um, but then if you spell it weird, it still sounds the same, but it's S T R Y D, which actually I think in like Welsh or Afrikaans, it means street. And so like I have a Twitter feed set up to look for mentions for stride and I always get all these like weird language tweets and everything. But yeah, stride, um, running power meter, uh, I think is is the right way to say it. Yeah, that's sort of how we how we introduced it. Uh, yeah, previously. we introduced it in a lot of ways, actually. Yeah. <laughs> we pretty much had this discussion, so people are getting yeah. it twice. Good, good, good. I yeah, like that. and we said we'd clear it up with you, which we haven't, so that's good. <laughs> I'm I, I, I'm here to complicate the situation more. I guess. 
Um, so 218, man, that's quick. Yeah, I ran that uh, 2017, December 2017, California International Marathon. It was the U.S. Marathon Championships, and I was like 38th in the field. So yeah. um, got my got my butt handed to me some by some really good actual runners. But uh, yeah, I run two 218 once, and then um, had a quote unquote bad marathon last fall and ran 221. So I was happy with a bad marathon being that quick, but yeah, I, I love the marathon. It's super fun. I, um, ran in college for, you know, for, for a year and a season and it didn't really go well for me. So I just instantly kind of transformed to a, a road runner and the marathon was kind of like my bread and butter wheelhouse, just doing the high mileage, um, training and long runs and stuff. And it ended up working out, uh, for me, for me eventually. Yeah. So how does, um, how does that work? I've always been pretty interested mm -hmm. about the collegiate system. Like, mm -hmm. so you were picked up as like a runner, mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I'm guessing, mm -hmm. but there's not, it's not road and cause in New Zealand, we don't have anything like that. We just actually right. ship our, anyone who's reasonably good gets a scholarship and goes over to the States. <laughs> exactly. Um, but we just have cross country and road. We don't like the mm -hmm. track season's not anywhere near as competitive as, mm -hmm. as it is for you guys. Yeah, so my case is a little interesting too because coming out of high school, uh, I had run. You know, in in coming out of high school means I'm like 17 or 18 years old when I'm graduating high school, and uh, I had run 15:54 for cross country 5k, like uh, 9, 10, 9.05 for 3k, and then um, you know I I can't do the conversion in my head, but for like the mile, I've run like 4:34. So I wasn't. I wasn't great. Um, I was an okay runner. Yeah. Uh, and so in my position, what I was able to do is a process called being a walk on. And that refers to every single sport. Um, it kind of, I think it originates from either like the, like American football or soccer. Um, if you're okay, but not good enough to get a scholarship, you walk on the field without a scholarship, I think is like the origination of the term. So I was good enough to get a roster spot but I didn't get any dollars uh, to okay. run. I didn't get any yeah. scholarship. Um, the school I went to was uh, the Ohio State University, and it's one of the largest in the country. It's like a pretty big institution. They always have a really good football team. Um, it's a massive university, like 60,000 students, so like one of the largest in the country. Um, but for me, it was uh, three kilometers down the road. So like I grew up in you know that, that city area um, with the university. So I was... A local runner, I was, you know, good enough as sub-16 cross-country 5K, um, near 9-flat 3K, good enough to get a spot. Uh, and then I just show up to practice and I'm on the team. Um, I go to school at the same time, but I don't have, you know, the same scholarship that, you know, some of the other runners on my team, uh, you know, going in my recruiting class, they were the same age as me, but they had won multiple state titles. They'd run, you know, like, 4.0 something in the mile in high school. They run 14.50 oh, yeah. for cross country 5K. So like the people I was running with were multiple state champions. Uh, but but for me, I was just lucky to have a spot. Um, I was hurt all my freshman year. I didn't really run well at all. I tried to make the jump from running, you know, like 50 or 60K a week all the way up to like 100K a week because that was how the college system went is you ran what the coach told you to run. And, you know, I, I ended up getting hurt. Um, but I was watching all these teammates and all these other runners, 
who were you know sub four milers or there were 1345k guys i was trying to hang with them on easy runs and their easy run it was a very different easy run than me so i ended up hurt my freshman year um which is that first year of college and then uh the next year a new coach came in and i ended up running like 32 12 for 10k and i got cut because i was too slow um, in wow. that new coach's yeah. eyes. So that was how rigorous the system was. Uh, he had coached people like a former Boston Marathon uh, champion. He coached him while he was in college. Um, a guy named Matt Hughes, who's a really good steeplechaser for Canada. He had coached him in college. So like there was a very, even, even at the collegiate level, there's a very different um, you know kind of coaching pattern, whether some coach views you as valuable, some coach says, yeah, we don't really care about you as much. So um, after I got cut, after running 32, low for 10k i was like okay i don't really want to train for track and cross country anymore on my own so i started doing road 5ks and then eventually a half marathon um and then eventually a marathon uh, a couple of years later and i really found success at that because i had run i want to say like 20 yeah like 2602 for 8k for cross country on a pretty flat course but then a year and a half later, ran 69.07 for my first ever half marathon. Uh, and so I went from running like a pretty lackluster, um, you know, cross country and track career where I hadn't broken 15 on the track yet to running a pretty decent time on the roads, running, you know, mixing up with some of the Africans that were running uh, in, in the States. And then they were running the full marathon. I was running the half marathon, uh, but <laughs> still, still mixing it up. Yeah, uh, yeah. And then, and then, you know, like, Three years after running like my first half, I ran the same exact pace for my first or for my second full marathon. So the roads treated me so much better. But yeah, the the collegiate system is super interesting because I'm still, you know, friends and I uh, run with a lot of people that ended up, you know, being full scholarship athletes. Like here in Boulder, like pretty much anybody that's a runner ended up running at a major university and they're pursuing a pro career. My fiance um, ran at Ohio State for for four years and she was like, you know, a 34 minute 10 K woman. So she's very, very good runner. Yeah. Um, but pretty much anywhere here in Boulder, you'll find a runner that went through that collegiate experience, but that, that wasn't really my, my sort of, um, thing, not, not because of my choice initially, but then I was super happy once I transitioned to the roads because road racing is so much more fun than running like 25 laps around a track. Who yeah. wants to do that? <laughs> it's so boring. Um, but roads, you get to see nice scenery and stuff like that. It's pretty yeah. crazy that because um, there's so many people that go through the like the university system mm -hmm. over there mm -hmm. uh, that you're almost disposable if you're not. Well, even if you are good enough, you're almost disposable. But it's crazy yeah. that you stuck with it and just because maybe most people would quit and just n maybe never run again. Yeah, um, I think that was that was one of the things that the the first coach that like I, I was still recruited, um, but I just wasn't given like money. So I still was, you know, pursued by a couple other like universities. Like I applied to five major universities and I got accepted to all of them. But the one that made the most financial sense was the local school. Instead of paying, you know, $40,000 a year to go to school, you only paid $10,000 a year to go to school. So I didn't want to have a massive amount of student debt. And so I decided to stay close to home. But that coach specifically my freshman year, um, just, you know, they kind of recruit you to one, see if you're a good runner and see if you're a good character. But I think he liked the way I approached the sport. I was always the person that, you know, instead of just listening to the coach in high school, um, tell me what workout to do. I read like the Jack Daniels training method. I read, you know, like better training for distance runners by Peter Coe. 
um, and Brent Martin, and so and I've read all the training stuff. So I was somebody, you know, as a 16, 17, 18 year old that actually tried to learn the sport instead of just listen to the coach's whistle and stuff like that. So um, I was always the person that was going to be motivated. Uh, I always ran in the off season. I didn't, you know, take the whole summer off and show up in the fall for cross country season and uh, say, okay, like, I guess I have to get fitness again. So um, I was always going to still be a runner. I think I'll be a runner as long as I still have like knee cartilage uh, left in my legs uh, after I retired eventually down the road and stuff. But um, running's always been that thing for me where, you know, it's, it's just fun to do and it's fun to train. And even if I wasn't on a college team, I didn't have anybody to run with. I was still going to run, you know, over a hundred miles a week, like build up and still try and get faster and stuff. So it was no bother to me. Um, it kind of sucked at the time for sure. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I found it like really motivating to, to do. Yeah. And that wanting to learn thing I think is really important. Mm-hmm. Um, I was talking to one of my athletes this morning, we did a ride in the dark and, you know, super cold and, mm-hmm. you know, before breakfast and stuff. And he, you know, he's super motivated and I had just gotten back from um, coaching with the New Zealand mountain bike team. And I asked the racers there, like how many of you guys read a training book? Mm-hmm. Um, and no one, no one raised their hand. Oh, wow. like, oh that's pretty surprising. Like, um, yeah. these, they're really good. Like they're all mm-hmm. really high performers, mm-hmm. but, um, that wanting to learn, I think, um, I think that's pretty important. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. I'm not, I haven't quite figured out how important, but I think like, you know, you need to have talent as mm-hmm. a young person. Um, and you need to be dedicated, but you know, kind of what gets you, keeps you going, gets you to the next level is that always wanting to know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. You have to have that like passion and it doesn't have to be like super early on, but you have to, you have to care a little bit at least, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of that stride. <laughs> yeah. It, a perfect segue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's good. so let's, yeah. Transition into, well, you're a runner, you studied, I'm guessing you graduated, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, then you, what, got a, how'd you end up at Stride in Yeah, Colorado? no, that's a great, that's a great question. Uh, I think by pure luck and pure chance and, like, the universe had, like, a, a, a good plan for me or crossing paths and stuff. Um, Seems like an awesome job. Yeah, it's, uh, it's I, I feel like it's, like, the easiest job, not because, like, it's easy um, in terms of, like skill, but because like, it's just so natural, like what I, what I ended up doing and stuff. So yeah, stepping back a little bit, I graduated college in 2015. Um, I studied uh, public affairs, which is like policy management and I minored in political science. So of course my next natural thing to do was work at a running store for four years. Um, it's like getting yeah. a PhD. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So um, I, you know, really, really, enjoyed what I studied, but I worked on a couple campaigns. And then eventually I said, I don't want to work in politics anymore after working on campaigns, uh, because I just did not enjoy it. Um, so I ended up, you know, working part-time at a running store and then moving to full-time, ended up becoming a manager. Uh, and then because a couple of my friends were going to go on spring break, they were like, oh, we're going to go out to Boulder. Do you want to go? And this was like two weeks before they ended up going. And I was like, yeah, sure, I guess. Uh, so I took like a five-day vacation um, because the only time I normally took vacations was to go race, you know, like travel across the country and go go race. Uh, so I came out to Boulder, 
I arrived like at night, so I couldn't see the mountains after I flew in. But then the next morning, like I woke up at the Airbnb that we were staying in, and I looked outside. I was like, "Oh my goodness! Like I'm gonna I'm gonna have to move here now." Like I, I'd heard and you know seen pictures and stuff. I'd been to um, like Flagstaff, Arizona before. I'd I'd been to like cool training locations, but just being here uh, for like five days in the spring of 2018, I was like, "Okay, like I see what it's all about." And then. I started looking on different job websites after I came back to Columbus, like where I'm from in Ohio. And eventually I found uh, Stride. Actually, I think my mom sent me like the job posting. She was like, oh, they're hiring a customer service person. I was like, I don't really want to do customer service. But then I realized that's what I do day to day is you know, just customer service. I was like, OK, like I'll either work in a running store, I'll apply for this job. Um, like three or four weeks go by, I don't hear anything. I'm like, OK, I guess. I'm just gonna work in a running store in Boulder and be that like typical, you know, Boulder running person. And then all of a sudden I got an email back in my inbox. We're like, oh my gosh, like sorry, we got swamped in our inbox. Like, are you still available for an interview? Because I guess they like the fact that on my resume I put that I, you know, run certain times at certain distances. They're like, oh, like we noticed like you're a really good runner. And then I also, I guess, had applicable skills of customer service. Um, but then yeah, I was just super lucky. They managed to not like missed my email, and then I had a couple interviews. It was actually a really, really cool interview process because any interview I'd done in the past, you meet with like one person once, then maybe they call you back a second time, and then they either offer you or don't. But um, I met with you know, like one of the co-founders like twice, and then I had a team interview, and then I had another specific customer service interview. So I went through like four different interviews because wow. it's a super small like startup, so they wanted to make sure you know you're good, and they they're not going to risk if they can't like if they don't have to risk anything um and then they ended up offering me a job but i said you know i wouldn't be able to move till july and this was may and they were like okay we like you enough we'll you know let you work remote for two months before you move here um and that was lucky too because usually you know if you need a customer service person you're not going to have them work remote if everything you do is in-house um but they took a chance on me and then i moved in july of 2018 and uh then I just you know kind of hit the ground running with, with with Stride and a couple people left the company uh, for very good reasons. One guy went to the U.S. Navy SEALs, so like very very high up military, and then another guy, his fiance got a uh, coaching position at a Ivy League college uh, in, in the U.S. And so they both were like, okay, you know, for life reasons we have to move. And so I ended up taking over the um, coaching and athlete contact position, and then it's been like. I guess literally just a year now that I've been working there um, at, at Stride, and it's been it's been so fun. It's it, it's just crazy to to imagine like being part of this past year because there's been so much development. But um, to answer the question in a very roundabout way, just a ton of luck uh, about how I actually got to to work at Stride because I imagine there were a ton of other app like candidates that probably could have done exactly what I'm doing, but a ton of luck and in great timing for, for me personally. Awesome. And That's pretty cool. I um I actually um had an interview with Stride a couple of years ago. Yeah. I wasn't suited for the job. I didn't get it, obviously. Like, <laughs> oh, do you do you know much about like the foot? Or it was like some sort of biomechanics <laughs> position. Yeah. Like, uh, not really, but I do know lots about power. Mm. And yeah. And that's that's important. Know. Yeah, yeah, but like I think like they obviously picked someone more suitable for the job, but it was cool. Like the whole interview process, I was like, man, these guys are pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Like it seems mm -hmm. like a small company, and like they really care about what they offer. Um, yes, 
And that's really important because some of these bigger companies, they, they have so many different things that they specialize in. Mm-hmm. And like, you don't know who does what, you don't see the face of the person. Mm-hmm. But like, I think it's really cool, like this innovative, small company um, mm-hmm. where, you know, everyone's really passionate. That's yes. really important, I think, especially yes. in sports. Exactly. And I mean, any startup in general, whatever they do, you know, whether it's the next latest greatest app or whatever, you have to have that passion to kind of build you up and make sure you don't run out of funding and uh, you you actually hit the things on demand. But it, I've I've never worked at a place or been around people or been around like anybody involved in athletics that I've found more passionate than the people, you know, doing what they're doing. Because not everybody is a 218 marathoner that's just trying to do high performance. It's a big mix bag of people in the office, but everybody shares, you know, that that one kind of common trait of one thing to one improve running for literally anybody that, you know, whether they, um, you know, use stride or not, they, they just want to put a platform out there to help people actually get better at running. And that's, you know, that's the end goal whenever you clock in and clock out, but you don't really clock out ever because it's a startup. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then we should probably update on like, what is stride? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. <laughs> yeah. Cause um, we did an episode on running with power where Will kind of yes. went over some of his, um, some of his power profiles. He talked about how he had the power meter on during one of his ultras and didn't actually look at the data. And then we looked at the data like a year later and we're like, okay, this is where it went wrong. You should probably should have been <laughs> watching your power or at right. least known more about it. And that now it will's gotten really one of the new updates. The zones is like, that's amazing. The, the, uh, the, the, the combo, like the, the, the auto CP and the zones Yes, on, on Garmin. Like I watched the um, Facebook live you guys did. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, be, that was good. That was good. Yeah. yeah. yeah well, anyway, what is what is Stride? Yeah, no, and there's tons of new stuff too. So if we would have recorded this like four weeks ago or six weeks ago or you know ten weeks ago, there'd been a new thing to talk about every week. And then you know coming out in the next two, four, six, eight, ten weeks, there's going to be tons of new stuff still because uh, I think we've hit a really good point in terms of uh, things we're able to release more. There there'd been a ton of effort over the past year, year and a half that I'd seen and you know kind of kept my ear to the ground around the office but now all the stuff is kind of coming to fruition and it's all kind of rolling out but yeah stride it's a it's a running foot pod um clips on your shoelaces it weighs seven grams i think that the new one is actually lighter so uh it originally started as a uh, kickstarter back in 2015 it was a little thing that clipped on the back of your shorts and then it actually morphed into a chest strap combo with a heart rate monitor but it's a power meter for running um, in 2016, moved as a foot pod, and then there have been a couple of different iterations of the foot pod in terms of a little bit of hardware tweaks. But the major tweak um, that was just announced a little bit more than a month ago—I I literally can't remember—because um, we've been, you know, planning all this stuff for for months. Um, but uh, the the latest iteration is a next generation foot pod that's going to have next generation IMUs, so like internal sensors, but also it'll have the capability to measure wind and air resistance as you run. And that's always been, you know, from day one with a power meter for running, if you're not actually measuring air resistance and what you call wind power, you're not actually showing a complete picture. You're not actually a power meter. You're just a power estimator. You know, that's still what's happening with all internal you know, motion sensors and complex algorithms and all the all this data being crunched step by step. But now 
actually measuring the wind, it adds into a sense of completeness about what running power actually is and what's actually going on around your body. So Stride's a very, very slim, sleek foot pod uh, that clips on your shoe, shows you power in real time. It also does a heck of a lot more in terms of all the data it captures. Um, but power meter is the, you know, the message that's really hammered home about Stride. Yeah, I find it, um, it's just so valuable. Like you guys have made such um, progress over the last 12 months, I think. Mm -hmm. Like I sort of, I had the chest strap run, the yeah. chest strap one. And um, I was like, yeah, this is cool. Um, it's good for vertical oscillation. But then I sort of, I don't know, just left it mm -hmm. and didn't really look at it again. And then, I don't know, I picked up, I had, then I got the foot pod one for research at, at the university. Mm -hmm. And again, I was like, ah, oh, yeah, like without the wind and the algorithm probably wasn't as stable. Um, mm -hmm. and maybe the, the output on my watch wasn't as stable either. And so I was like, no, I'll, I'll look at it, but I won't. Um, whereas now, like this year, I've really been able to like utilize it at the power center, the, the mm -hmm. online um, like user interface you guys have. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Is, yeah, it's, it's amazing. And I think it, Initially, I didn't think it was the future, but I guess that's just new innovations. You're like, yeah. uh, I don't know the application. Matt and I would talk because Matt's invented um, a brake power meter mm -hmm. um, that measures braking for mm -hmm. braking force, like strain gauges and and mountain bike brakes, yeah. disc brakes. Um, and the people are sort of saying the same thing about his invention. It's like, uh, like why do you need to know how much you brake, kind of thing. Right, right. But uh, yeah, so how um, has that been? the uptake of most people um like how are people using this this new information yeah um i guess taking a step back to uh, i i actually really like the message that you guys talked about in the previous podcast when you talked about running with power because people are so used to just having the the gospel basically be you track either how long it takes you to complete a certain distance in a certain amount of time it's called pace or you track how far you've gone, distance, uh, you know, you combine those two, but then you might track heart rate just because people say heart rate's a thing that you track, but you don't actually know what necessarily what to do with heart rate unless you learn a little bit more about that. With, with power, it's such an abstract concept for runners that it's not even something you ever think about. It's something you internalize. Uh, again, I really like the example about when you go up a hill, the work that you're doing is increasing. Um, you know, the amount of time might stay the same, but the the power, the the work is increasing. Runners know that when you run up a hill, it's hard. You slow down. You know, it gets more difficult, but you don't know how to kind of conceptualize it. Um, if somebody's coming from a bike or the triathlon scene, and they 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 see stride, they say, "Oh, I know what power is. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, it's power. It's it's your effort. It's you know work done over time. It's." super simple but for runners it's just never really been a thing until the past couple of years uh so when you kind of tell them that you can actually track your effort in real time it's very cool to see you know we go to expos every year boston and new york always but maybe a couple other expos like london or you know we go to kona as well and that's a very big you know triathlon thing but to see somebody's you know wheels start to go in their head and everything kind of click where you're like wait I know this feeling, but I didn't know I can actually capture it. That's like been one of the magical things for me because again, you know, my end goal is to make somebody's next run better and just, just help people get better at running. But if you can clip 
as a small little you know foot pot on somebody's shoe and then help them pace better help them understand what's going on with their body help them track training when you know this you know they move to a new environment or they're traveling for work and they're running hilly runs and they get discouraged because their heart rate is all messed up or their pace is all messed up their strava doesn't look as good because their pace is slow but in reality they're actually outputting you know 10 watts higher than they normally do like those are sort of things that you know people might be able to get a get a benefit with stride for i think if we had to talk literally about all the benefits and the use cases um this would probably be like a four-hour podcast and i wouldn't stop talking and my voice would be hoarse uh, so i wouldn't be able to talk at work tomorrow um but you know specifically i think the concept of power whether it is stride or you know people like garmin or polar are starting to introduce power into their sort of platforms uh, the concept of running power I think translates so well once people understand that they can un like they can get a better idea of how their body's actually performing second by second but then also training session by training session training cycle by cycle race by race um, the concept of running power is just something that is still in its infancy um, and I think just has so much room to grow and educate people people with I, yeah. I was thinking you know because I love talking about power and yeah. from all our other episodes like we talked about power a lot yeah. um, and you know people have asked me lots of times like why are you measuring breaking power mm -hmm. why not just measure breaking force or why not use this sensor and do this mm -hmm. um, and I like power because you know we know what the muscles do and the muscles do work and we want to figure out how much energy that they're using over time because the humans we're not like a gasoline motor or something like that. Like we have a set rate that we can do work and a set uh, amount of work we can do. Mm -hmm. And it, that stuff translates really nicely over to the brakes as well. Mm -hmm. But did you guys ever think like for running to use, you know, Stride as a company, was there ever like this idea, should we measure not power or, or was power always going to be what you're going to measure? Yeah. So, um, Rewinding back, just, just again, I, I've worked at the company for a little bit over a year, but I, I've tried to ask as many questions as I can about you know the past because if somebody emails in uh, and I'm working you know customer support and they ask a question about a 2017 thing, I, I want to be educated. So I've, I've tried to go back as far as I can. Um, so the, the, the people that co-founded Stride started at uh, CU Boulder. And originally, uh, a lot of the stuff was focused on just different elements of the human body. So one of the things that they built was a brainwave scanner. And then they wanted to be, you know, be interested in how the human body actually moves and what's going on, like in the whole completeness of the human body. And so the original uh, idea to make a, a running power meter came out of monitoring human performance and what's a way you can monitor what, you know, the human body is actually doing it. So monitoring effort monitoring work power meter oh power meter for running there's a power meter for bikes it's it's a super simple thing uh but then it turns out that for running it's a very very different movement than just outputting force on a pedals and putting a strain gauge somewhere um like like is on a bike but yes 100 percent uh you know from from what i understand and what i know just of the history uh especially if this was a pet project like done in a garage there might be other things like in consideration but because Stride is one, a company, a business, a product, I think the, you know, the, the people that started Stride and the group of co-founders, they had to have a very, very direct and focused 
mission and idea from the get-go or else you will not survive as a startup. And that's just startup culture. If you had $100 million of funding because some big you know, angel investor really liked the concept and they just made a billion dollars off of Uber or something, then maybe you could have different ideas. But because you had to also, or they had to also survive as a company with a product, you had to have a very, very, very focused, laser-focused idea about exactly what you want to do or else you just lost a quarter of revenue and production and then all of a sudden nobody gets to have the benefit of running with power with Stride. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think power is the, uh, you know, from a physiological standpoint, power mm -hmm. is the measurement that you need. Yes. Like, that's definitely number one. Um, I'm not even sure, like, because I know you're measuring a lot of things. Mm -hmm. to get to power and then yeah. those measurements that you're getting also um, complement the power measurement so when you're looking to maybe increase your efficiency um, you might look at reduced ground contact time which you're measuring exactly things like exactly. that so but power you know that that's like a great overall measurement like this is what you did on your run now look mm -hmm. at little tiny things that you can do based on all these other measurements we have to improve your performance Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I I totally agree with that. And then the the interesting thing that you say is, yeah, all these other things you have to measure to to get the power. Um, because I, I I again like the point that you guys uh, brought up when you were originally or when you talked about power a couple episodes ago. Um, there's you know all all these applications and all all these algorithms and all these things that you measure to to do the equation for power in real time because you can't measure running power in real time from the sense that you measure a strain gauge or what the actual you know power output is but you can get very very close you can do the things for in a practical concept will actually lead to running power but there's all these other things going on uh, which is kind of the one thing that bugs me about calling stride a power meter um, but I also don't like calling it a foot pod because then that kind of lumps it in the classification of other things that call themselves a foot pod by just using a three-axis accelerometer and just saying, hey, we can get closer than the GPS satellite uh, stuff where we can kind of pair it together because there's all these other crazy things. And, you know, four years from now, we'll be talking all about these other metrics and all these other things that we actually know about running in the human body and how, you know, strides act like s-t-r-i-d-e-s -E strides actually work and how running form actually works based on all these other sensors and all this other data and it gets me so excited but then yeah you know as it goes right now strides a running power meter that has all these other cool features and biomechanical analysis stuff but yeah power to, to monitor it once i you know, I, I had seen ads for Stride in the past before I, you know, interviewed and, you know, even interviewing. After my first interview, I literally, you know, shut the Google Hangout we were on, got onto the website and tried to buy one. But they told me, no, you're not allowed to buy one. We'll just send you one. Uh, so I was so convinced after talking to them for like 30 minutes. I was like, yeah, I'd seen it before, but I never really gave myself the time to actually learn a little bit more about it. I understood what power was, but once I finally heard it and it clicked with me, I was like, okay, I, I have to have this. I have to support this company. Um, so even if it didn't end up, you know, being Stride, that's the the kingpin of power, um, the concept of power. It's it it just makes total total sense for me. Yeah, and a lot of people. That's the kind of the hard part. That's why I wanted to get you on. Like I said mm -hmm. in the email, you know, I think there's just so much value in it for a lot of people, but the education part because it's like, well, I have GPS and heart yeah. rate you know so why would i need this other kind of metric i'm already trying yeah. to wrap my head around um 
you know, these other metrics. Mm -hmm. uh, and I said that like, um, in the, the Facebook group, I can't remember if it's coaches one or the main one, mm -hmm. someone was saying, you know, why is power not just like the thing we look at? And I was like, well, you know, I do this seminar on training with heart rate mm -hmm. to educate people. Like how many people have heart rate monitors? Like they're just built in your watch. Now you yes. don't even have to put a strap on. And, um, and still they're like, what, how do I know my zones? You know, and that's just heart rate, which has been around for decades. And now right. we're in, we're in power and it's like, whew. and runners, are, yeah, definitely different to triathletes. Yes. You know? like, Very. Um, yes. Triathletes, are, it's a new sport. It hasn't been around decades. So they just mm -hmm. go, what's new? Aero bars? Cool. Put them on. The brakes? <laughs> put them on. Like, I don't even care what it is. Just put it on my bike. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, um, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And that's so the that crazy thing yeah. about running is like, it's such an inexpensive sport. Like, because we talk about like how much I have to spend on like fixing my bike equipment and stuff and mm -hmm. new chains. And Will's like, oh, yeah, I bought, you know, shoes last month <laughs> and like a pair of shorts. Like, right. it's, you know, the cost of getting into running is so inexpensive. And the stride itself isn't even that expensive. It's just, it's almost like a no brainer to me. Like, but triathletes yeah. love spending money is that's my um, observation is like they got the dopest gear and it's just like, okay, you're going to get in triathlon. You're going to spend a lot. That's just how it is. Right. And I, f I feel like that's like a, it's not like stigma is the wrong word for it, but it's the, the word I'll use because there can be like a positive stigma and negative stigma for things. Um, you know, but people just assume that like I was actually talking to people that were doing a study for us triathlon, figuring out why, you know, people are hesitant to actually do triathlons because I myself, I can bike to work. I swim three times a week, but I run, you know, 100 to 120 miles a week. So I can actually do a triathlon. I, I am physically capable, but I would never put myself in, in the triathlon realm. I'd never say I'm a triathlete. Um, but for for runners, they, they have that mindset. But then for triathletes, you know, you, you do all these sports and you maybe have the, the fluid capital to invest in, you know, a $5,000 carbon fiber bike, or you can spend $1,000 shipping your bike via FedEx to Kona to, to meet you there for, you know, a three-week vacation after you do a full Ironman and stuff. But runners, they can go to their, you know, local sporting goods store and get a pair of shoes for 30 US dollars that maybe aren't good shoes, but then, um, you know, like good shoes comparative to the 120, 150 USD uh, shoes. But then you see all these runners spending $250 for the Zoom Vaporfly 4%. Uh, and then all of a sudden there's this thing with runners actually want to spend money to get better now. And then they, you know, buy all this nutrition, go all over. So I think the line is getting a lot closer as the sports develop over time for sure. But triathletes will always have those three sports to pay for in, instead of the just just the one. Yeah, the, the reference point becomes like, whoa, just for a new chain or tires, which is mm -hmm. like you need to replace all the time. You're like, yeah. oh, how many how many strides do I need to buy and how often? One? Yeah. Oh, 200 bucks. Yes, sure, whatever. Take it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I When I used to you know work in the running store, people would you know kind of get wide-eyed if you had a shoe that's 120 US dollars, 150, whatever. Um, but if you say, you know, here's the price per mile that you'll actually get out of them is, you know, in the US, that's what we'd say is the, the price per mile. And so it's like, oh, I can actually get like a really, really good investment. I can get 500 miles out of these shoes. They cost me $100. That's super good for me. So if you break it down like that, but then, you know, if it's a stride, you, I would say like break it down by like, 
price per step and you're talking like <laughs> fractions of fractions of a of, of a of a cent per step and you know that that benefit is is massive but just for that little bit of uh investment that you don't know you know might be beneficial to you not a you know investment that you have have to have or you need to have but you don't know that it is that valuable to you and until you actually kind of run with it and stuff but um my job is never to you know convince because we, we don't have enough staff for salespeople. we don't you know we're not in running stores in the us we're barely international just to save for shipping costs and stuff like that um but if we you know had to sell it we would just talk about the benefits and we don't really try and sell it we just try and tell people about the benefit of actually running with power and stuff but um it would I will sell itself, wouldn't it? Like, yeah. With a little bit of education, it's like, oh yeah, well that makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah, and that's what people say when we, you know, when we go to expos and they've never heard of us before, um, and they're like, oh, I didn't even know that exists. Like that's crazy. Like I'll, I'll look into it. And we hand out, you know, five hundred flyers of the course, like three or four days, and we, you know, sell a hundred units or something like that. We talk to a couple hundred people that already have it. So like we were at the Boston Marathon. We had like over 250 people at Boston run with it, but they were stopping by our booth for race planning. And that sells itself where, you know, somebody's on the edge, but they see like five people come up to the booth and be like, I ran a 20 minute PR like last year, just because like I ran by power and they see other people talk about their messages and stuff. And that that's one of the things that keeps me motivated too to like keep doing hard work um, is seeing all the other people get benefits with it too. But yeah, I'd, I'd like to think it sells itself, but we still have to run ads for some reason. <laughs> yeah, no, so do we. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so much noise out there. Yeah, but, um, yeah, yeah. On those, you mentioned the Nikes. Have you yeah. have you tested them with the stride? Yeah. Oh, see yeah, if yeah. there's any different, like the next percent, the um, newest next ones. Percent, well, next percent's hard to get in the U.S. right now. They did an international release, and we've had a couple people. Um, wear them and for, like for for me personally uh the four percent works fine it is uh you know like because i've had the original version up to the flynet version um i actually am really interested in the difference shoe by shoe because i have a lot of shoes from working a running store in the past if people talk about like having one pair of shoes i don't want to talk about how many pairs of shoes i have uh right now but like i've tested it personally a couple people you know in the office we've put them to the test we probably have three or four pairs laying around the office from different tests that we've done um so yeah we we, we notice differences for sure there's different metrics that we can track one specifically is leg spring stiffness and that's yeah. actually probably one of my favorite metrics because it's something that not a lot of people understand we don't understand it as fully as I think we will in the future in terms of what actually influences things, what are things you can look for, can you actually get a sort of live look at leg spring stiffness and be able to determine when, you know, you need to move on to the next step of your workout and stuff is, you know, those are the ideas I had this morning on my workout after looking at my data. Um, but specifically, you know, the 4% will work for me, but for one of my coworkers who's a, you know, he's a 14, 25K runner, he's run 65 minutes and a half. Um, he ran a marathon a month ago and he ran, you know, 230 something. It wasn't what he wanted at all. He went through halfway in 68 minutes. So, you know, he was on track for a very good time, but he was wearing the 4% because he bought, you know, he, he bought a pair. He said, okay, I've invested this amount of money. I know in workouts compared to the Adidas Audios, the Adidas Audios actually gives me a full one point higher leg spring stiffness. So for him, he had a 11.0 
uh, kilonewtons per meter LSS. And so for him, you know, that's pretty high. That's higher than average. It's in the, you know, top 5% of people that have LSS while running at that pace. But then when he puts the 4% on, it drops a full point. And so he was like, you know what? I, I don't really care about, you know, what the stride says right now. I'm just going to go, you know, run in the 4% because that's what everybody else is going to run with. I don't want to, you know, miss out on that benefit. But then for him, it's not necessarily the reason why he didn't have as good of a race. But then uh, two weeks later when he started to work out again, he put the Adios, the Adidas Adios on, his LSS was right back up to that that very high amount. So for him, he can test in his own personal you know, personal training, not lab testing, not, you know, comparing things as a ABC, XYZ, one, two, three. But for him, when he's running marathon pace, he is more efficient in the audios. And that's something that he's able to find and he's able to educate himself with more in the future. And we find that all the time, um, just with, you know, diff different people asking questions on our Facebook group, like, oh, specifically about the 4%, is it all the hype? And people, you know, 30 people comment, say like, it works for me, it doesn't work for me. And there's, oh, no surprise, a bell curve of people that it works for. So um, it's 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 kind of funny. And actually, the original study was done here in Boulder too for oh, the, the the four percent um, average of four uh, percent. It was somewhere between like I think like negative one and up to like seven percent is like the distribution. And then they were like, oh yeah, it's four percent average, so we're gonna call it the four percent. So um, actually, yeah, very 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 funny for that. But uh, yeah, specifically for that, there are tons of real world examples where. People use Stride to see, you know, what works better for them. It doesn't even have to be the four percent shoe. It can be, you know, this shoe or that shoe, or you know, running this pace um, up this incline, down this incline on the surface, um, all, all this stuff. It it it's you know pretty limitless. And if we had, you know, double the amount of people working for us right now, we'd be able to build some sort of like you know front end system for people to be able to track all this stuff, but that's probably coming in a couple of years. Um, but there's there's all these things you can figure out besides just looking at the power with you know with stride. Yeah. Yeah. That's um it just takes it takes a lot to get your head around. Yes. Like to um even there's already so much to look at, you know, <laughs> and then you're trying to go, all right, look at this run versus that one, leg springs to the form power. Yep. Um, you know, you can do the the vertical ratio. I don't think you guys do that. You got to do that yourself. Not, not yet. We have kind of like a, um, you know, a, a sample email flow where we'll we'll include metrics like that for when we want to test stuff. So um, you said before uh, that the power center, like you really like that and you really like looking at the data. Um, in in a couple of months, your mind's going to be blown because if you think that's okay and if you think that's good, uh, it's it's going to be totally reworked. It's going to be so much better and like it's the stuff that we're you know kind of designing now that we just can't wait for people to start using but it's things like that right i want to see my vertical ratio okay we'll show you your vertical ratio and you know maybe you're more efficient in this shoe with your vertical ratio or at, at this speed and this pace if you do a long run you notice the next day your vertical ratio is all down and stuff so yeah there's there's all these things that you know like you bring up and all these other metrics that we don't even know about yet um that are possible but just you know putting a little foot pod on. Yeah. Do you ever have on. there's some users with Matt. <laughs> suggesting like new metrics? Oh yeah, all the time. Um and I write them down in a Google document and I don't forget them. Uh, and you know that's what we do as a team. We have, you know, these these boards organized for the next um and lists organized for the next like four years because again you have to as as a business, you know, if it was all fun just making you know this product and saying, oh yeah, we'll do this. Um, but then 
you have to keep the lights on and you have to keep people paid and, and stuff like that. But yeah, there's all these things that people suggest because our community is, and that's one of the craziest um, <clears throat> things to me too is the community involvement. Because we have, you know, a relatively small Facebook group. It's, you know, 8,000 people, but for, you know, a large, quote unquote, large user base that we have, 8,000 people is pretty refined. It's the people that are dedicated, people that go out of their way to check a Facebook group to talk about a little foot pod, right? And, and all this stuff that goes along with it. Um, but yeah, so many creative ideas, so many things that, you know, we've thought about some things, some things we never think about in a thousand years, but get suggested to us. And so um, there's, again, there's, there's all this stuff. And if we had twice as many people uh, working for us right now, we'd be able to hammer it out uh, a, like a lot quicker. But there's all these metrics that people say, I'm curious about this, or, you know, what if I want to do form drills? And can I use stride to analyze that? Can I, you know, use stride while weightlifting? Can I swim with it? Can I use it on like, like literally the other sport applications that we've gotten uh, are, are crazy. Uh, just all the different things. And it's like, yeah, you know, could probably work for that, but uh, that that's, that's 10 years down the road. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, a, a ton of different metrics that are super creative and, and, and they're applicable for every person. Even if, you know, one person finds it useful, but they want to know X over Y, if, if we can do that eventually in the future, then for sure it's useful. Yeah. Yeah. I was just saying, but trying to say before how, mm -hmm. um, with Matt's breaking power, it's the same yeah. sort of thing, you know, it's like, um, you can just put the raw data out there and people are like, well, thank you. But can you, you, you exactly. need that, that thing, like take, increase your cadence by five, Like, mm -hmm. you need, you need that level. You need all the raw data for, for the geeks, um, yep. and, and the number dudes and girls, but like, you need also that simplistic thing, which is exactly. which you guys are definitely getting towards, and that will help. And one yeah. thing I did want to touch on was the RSS. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Because so we we sort of discussed power, right? Like now you can have a, a measurement of the amount of work you're doing. So if you yeah. uh, running up a hill, if you look at pace, you'll go slow. Your heart mm -hmm. rate will go up, but you don't really know like where's that effort? Because what's one sixty versus one seventy in heart rate? Like it's right both high for most people um but then you can have in how does that relate to your pace for a half mm -hmm. or a full marathon mm -hmm. or something and uh so there's that that's awesome but then there's also this running stress score that's what it stands for right that's what yes. it's called it anyway yep. um yep. That's what it stands for. and you know i was looking at mine yesterday because I've, I've come had a break come back and you know if you just look at, at distance it was perfect it was like 60 70 80 and 90 then like 120 but it sort of like went up and then i had a look at my rss and it was like and it was right ah like, oh, even though i did 90 it was actually one of it was less than the 80 because i did a, a half marathon that week mm. and it was like but yeah tell us about because you just did your was the recent podcast on that one i listened to one where you yeah, we've, came back you're talking about coming back from injury yeah, so that was, um, I think that episode was titled like, so you're coming back from an injury. Uh, and that was a, you know, not a fake storyline or, you know, not a made up thing to try and sell a point. It was actually the fact that I had my first major running injury since 2011. And um, I decided that, you know, I can preach all this stuff in all these, you know, hundreds of emails that I send per week to people asking about training questions. Um, I can you know, read all this stuff that we already have with Stratic and write all these things. But what if I actually put 
you know, literally all power-based training and stride-based training, you know, to, to the test, and I actually did it. Because one, it would show me all the things that we're doing wrong, which are honestly the only things I care about. Um, if we're doing something right, it's good, but it means we're doing something right, so that, that's helpful for people. But what we don't know about yet is the things that we're doing wrong, and there's a lot of things that we're doing wrong that I'm excited um, to fix. But uh, kind of diving into this, uh, it, it's kind of a multi-part thing, and it'll actually roll into the auto-critical power um, sort of stuff too, because that's very relevant for running stress score. Um, coming back from injury, I decided I wanted to do completely power-based training for my workouts, for my long runs. I wanted to track my intensity via RSS because I'd always been a mileage person. I have you know, no problem in the past uh, at sea level, quote-unquote sea level, where I'm from is about 150 meters above sea level in Ohio, um, but now I'm you know, around 2,000 meters above sea level, so that's quite a big difference. Um, and I can't just run all the mileage because there, there is a different stressor there. Um, when, when you go to altitude, it's not something that we show right now, but it's something that um, I think we'll, you know, kind of consider in the future with, for again, that completeness figure talking about, you know, running power and running stress and stuff. But I wanted to track RSS because I know that living in Colorado, I can drive 40 minutes up to, you know, 8,000 feet, 9,000 feet, 10,000 feet and do a run up there on hilly roads. That's more stressful than anything I could have done ever in the past. So I had no problem in the past running up to 150 miles a week. I could bang out marathon training like crazy, but coming to altitude was a big kind of adjustment. And once I got hurt, once I got healthy, I decided to kind of put that investment um, into my own personal training and I thought it would help people. And it was a good podcast episode. I think it's a good understanding for me. Um, but running stress score, um, again, to a very roundabout way of explaining it, uh, but it's your second by second comparison of your current power that you're outputting compared to your critical power in the stride ecosystem and then multiplied by a coefficient to make it nice to look at. Um, so what that means is if you, the, the really good example that I like to use is, let's say you go and join your friends, you do a hilly trail run and you know you feel a little bit more beat up because you were running like kind of quick over trails and it was really hilly, but it was the same exact time and distance that it took you the day before on a pretty easy recovery run. But you just didn't factor in, you know, that kind of elevation gain. It's a very simple way to think about it. Your RSS would actually be a lot higher because of the extra power that you had to output to overcome that difference in elevation. Um, and that's a very easy way to look at RSS. But what I like to look at RSS for is coupled with this auto-critical power feature that you know we kind of talked about very briefly earlier, critical power, because you're comparing your current power to your critical power in the, in the stride ecosystem, uh, if you actually have this auto-CP, this critical power that changes over time as your fitness improves, you can actually have a day-to-day -day better idea of how that stress is impacting you in that moment and in that day, because in the past, people had you know, signed up with a estimated critical power based off their a 10K they ran six months ago, and then they just left it in this in the ecosystem. They just left it sitting there. But that's a runner they were a year and a half ago if they'd used stride for a year. And that RSS is just totally invalid. You can't actually track things. So auto CP is a um, you know, and that's the, the shortened name for it, but it's a better way to track this RSS and track this, you know, stress day to day coupled with actually paying attention to your RSS, which I found a 
ton of help um, doing just because I know that you know certain routes I run are more stressful. But then actually looking at a thing, you know that that has been there in, in front of me for months before I started to pay attention to it. It's just been very helpful to kind of dictate my recovery to have more of an idea of okay, that long run was very hard. You need to you know take the next two or three days easy. Make sure you know this workout is. A little bit more toned down because that was a very stressful session and for me that could be the difference between staying healthy you know for that week versus being hurt again and having to take another month or two off um so i found it very helpful personally yeah and um matt did you have a look at that the auto critical power because it's a really cool feature that you may have um i'm not sure if you do it with your athletes but so it just automatically updates your critical power based off of your current sort of training history. Um, yep. I want to ask how far back that goes, but mm -hmm. also, yeah. So Matt, you can, you know, that training stress is always yeah. really relative. Yeah. I, well, first off, let me just say when I saw critical power in the show notes, I got really excited because <laughs> um, I used to lecture on critical power mm -hmm. in my applied sports science course. And every time I would start the day saying, this is the best day of my life. Because I finally <laughs> get to talk about critical power again. And yeah, critical power is awesome. And I guess when you were talking about it, since I ne have never heard of RSS, mm -hmm. I'm just thinking that's, you know, for the cyclists out there, they know their functional threshold power and they know yep. the training stress scores that they get for every workout. So I'm thinking that um, you guys are instead using critical power, which I think is better than functional threshold power, which is awesome. Because mm -hmm. um, you know you plot a curve and you get what you can pretty much do forever, and you know what you can do above that, which is great. Mm -hmm. So is that pretty much what you guys are doing? You're saying this is the level you can do it forever. <laughs> when you go above this level, we know that this is really hard for you. Let yeah. me grab all that information for this whole run and tell you how hard this run was. Yes, um, and I'll add a few caveats just to make sure it's tuned to exactly what we're actually doing. Yeah, yeah, um, go ahead. So critical power in, you know, it, it as a concept, it's like like what you talk about, what you can do forever. For running, for our model, it's the, the tiniest bit difference because percentage-wise of an effort that you can sustain for running, I think, is is a little bit different in terms of what you can do forever. So when when we talk about critical power in the running context, there's a whole lot of things that can go on uh, with a specific power output. If somebody isn't well trained in terms of their you know fuel stores, they could run at this power, but then if you know their fuel stores are super depleted, they they actually can't maintain that. Then there's all these other physiological limitations. You have muscular stress, you have you know, literally your bones breaking if you run too much on them. So there's all these different things. So um, if we talk about strides critical power, uh, it's a model based on different durations, exactly power duration curve. And that's one of the things that scares the most people about stride with running. It's like, I, I, I don't want to see this. I, I, I don't know what it is. I don't want to take the time to understand it. I don't want to understand a power duration curve. Um, in the past, to get critical power, we had done a critical power test. And we administered that in a couple different ways. We can either you know, use uh, a, a Rigel factor off of a 5K or 10K and just kind of nicely plot that and get an approximation. That's you know maybe 90% of the way there, 85% of the way there. You could do a critical power test of three minutes and nine minutes all out uh, with 30 minutes recovery in between, draws a nice little point between two data points, 
gets you a little bit closer than that. You could also do a 1200 meter and a 2400 meter test just for standardized track distances. And that's a super good way to get a lot better idea of your specific fitness in terms of the power that you can sustain for this pace at you know this duration versus the power you can sustain at this pace for this duration tells you a lot more than just a race estimator. But you know, we had found different models, we'd done a ton of different research, we'd you know experienced ourselves. Sometimes you could beat the critical power model and you could actually have it overestimate, you could have it underestimate. Uh, some people would run the same exact pace for their three-minute section as they did for their nine-minute section, just because that's their ability, and the test does not fit them. And so, you know, it, it's a model, you're, you're fitting to a model, sometimes it ends up really wacky. What we do now is we analyze your past 90 days of training, and we look for all these different durations. The thing we require is at least 12 runs over 90 days, um, and the longest run, or the, yeah, the longest run has to be um, longer than 50 minutes. So we, we require 50 minutes as that kind of minimum longest last point there. Anything past that is very helpful. Um, but we've found that it's just been so much more accurate and it's just been so much better to dictate day-to-day -day training levels and actual race fitness compared to the past models of critical power. So for, for us, it's not an exactly set time span it ranges for people so for some people that are like you know kind of under trained they literally don't have the ability to run for longer than like let's just say 45 minutes you know they they just physically can't run that long um you know some people's critical power for them would be about 30 minutes that like duration some people like the elites we have here in boulder they can run at their critical power for like up to 70 minutes like it is like different people that we've seen and if you look at you know like kipchoge he can run it super close to his critical power because he's you know one of the greatest runners of all time and he can run you know what they hope a 159 59 marathon in the future but to do that you need to run right up on that threshold so some people of different abilities have a wide range of different durations so when people come from cycling and they say okay i know critical power it's you know it's cp30 it's it's critical power for 30 minutes that, that that's what it is um that's not exactly what it is because what we look at we don't look at okay we're estimating between your you know your 29 minute and your 31 minute we're gonna draw that line at your um you know at your 30 minute threshold and just say it's that we're actually looking at the specific point at which um we're saying that fatigue changes and that's applicable in different ways for different people for the different training that they're doing um and it helps again just reference the training better but actually fit to that exact person based off the activities that they have actually done so um we wanted to honestly we wanted to call it something different because we don't feel comfortable with other people mixing up the term in their head if they you know don't read everything that we put out or they don't listen to everything we say because critical power or threshold or tempo are things that get thrown around and everybody has their own different definition but for the ease of adoption like auto critical power was the best terminology um, I really fought for a different name because I the last thing I want to do is give us, you know, kind of like a sullied reputation or a bad reputation for lying about a scientific concept that other people think is a, you know, concept in their field. Um, but auto CP, what it does is just 
analyzes, you know, again, all those activities, draws a very, very, very good and precise power duration curve, and then gives you that very specific power that you can base these different zones and training intensities off of is the very long way to explain it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that sounds pretty, I think like the name's kind of spot on because we talk about, you know, when we're coaching athletes, we talk about threshold and we talk about yeah. zone four and we talk about critical power like, and we talk about lactate threshold and when yeah, I'm yeah. teaching this stuff at the university, I'm like, well, actually, these are all pretty much in the same area. They're pretty <laughs> much the same thing. Just remember right. that. Like that's the yes. main thing because we don't, we can't measure what's happening in the muscle anyway. So we're just making <laughs> guesstimations all the time. Right. So, well, that's our next product. It's term. going to be a giant needle that you stick in your legs and you yeah. just draw out all the lactate. Yeah, there you go. It's yeah. going to be a little cumbersome at first, but we're you hoping the early adopters float it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Keep it in <laughs> all the time. So, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But that, that was the long, long-winded explanation for it. But I, I think it's, that's also one of the things that's super hard for people to kind of grasp because they're so used to, you know, maybe already having heart rate zones they're so used to having training zones based off of their their goal race pace where you know they plug their goal time they want to run a boston qualifier they plug their goal time into a calculator and it spits out these paces and stuff but then when you introduce a concept like critical power they you know kind of get scared off and and rightly so it's it's a little complicated takes a little bit of personal investment a little bit of time to understand but then again once that wheel clicks and they understand that a little bit of science can actually help their running a lot if they just care a little bit about it. It's it's one of those like magical moments to see it click in front of you. But um, yeah, again, I, I was a big push against the the critical power name, but it was the right definition for us to kind of help explain the concept. Yeah, I did actually laugh because when I listened to that episode, you're like, oh, you know, this is this is just a working title, auto CP. <laughs> and then I laughed because I was like, you know, there's actually. <laughs> That was probably a big mistake on my part to reference it in a very specific name. Um, but it ended up building a ton of hype for it. We got so many emails like, I heard the podcast. Like, when is this coming out? It sounds so cool. And we're like, oh, dang it. We shouldn't have, shouldn't, shouldn't have leaked it. Yeah, so so that, was, that was definitely my fault. But um, it got a lot of people excited. Yeah. Um, sure. So then with that, like, I work with a lot of trail runners. Um, mm -hmm. If you ever come to New Zealand, you have to come to Rotorua or at yeah. least uh, look it up because um, it's, you know, just amazing. It's a, mm -hmm. a mecca for mountain biking, but as well um, trail running. And right. mm -hmm. um, we have one of the World Series um, ultras here, mm -hmm. the Tarawera Ultra Marathon. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, when we're running trails, we're often putting a bunch of water, food, and, and carrying that around. And now mm -hmm. because you're not, um, you, Stride is not taking a direct strain gauge measurement mm -hmm. you have to update your height and weight um that's correct. And you don't really have to update your height uh, i'd imagine should stay this pretty similar yeah my height yes. is pretty, pretty constant <laughs> yes. yeah. um yeah but the the weight now i had read somewhere um i was only briefly i was, I was just flicking through something mm -hmm. and they were saying it's not a good idea to consist to continuously update or change your weight within stride mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What, yeah um what's the go there in well because we don't show watts per kilogram uh up until this latest update so now we show watts per kilogram with the introduction of auto cp so in the past the best way to track improvement and there there are a couple great coaches out there um one of them being steve paladino is kind of like a a pioneer for popularizing the running 
power coaching specifically in the U.S. Um, ma mainly, and he's he's based out of California, so a lot of West Coast runners are, are people that he coaches. Um, but his, he, from what I understand, the reasoning is you you set your weight to a hundred kilograms and you leave it there, so you can actually track your differences and improvements, hopefully improvements in the ability to output the power number that you will always keep the same. And so the reason for that is because we don't show, you know, we didn't show watts per kilogram, now, now we do. So the reason to change your weight now would be to actually track your watts per kilogram over time and see efficiencies there. I think both schools of thought are fine. Changing your weight often means that you'll have to get reintroduced to what your proper you know zones and that differential is and actually i think a little bit higher weight is conceptually a good thing because it scales the overall like power because it's a like it's a linear relationship for for just looking at the weight and analyzing that and dividing it um but having a little bit more like numbers to play with just in a rational sense for people running day to day might help some people. So like, let's say, um, you know, my, my fiance weighs uh, about like 100 pounds, so she's a lot lighter than I am, but her power numbers for her only go up to conceivably about 250. But for me, I can get up to 500 because I'm able, you know, because I'm heavier and I'm able to, you know, put out more power and just run faster up a hill. So output more power to get up, get up the hill for, for my mass. Um, but for her, it's maybe a little bit harder because there might be only a 10 watt difference where if you double her weight, suddenly there's a 20 watt difference. In real time, it's going to be the same exact thing in terms of the scaling. But for some people, they really like being able to track their number that they're able to output through a larger amount over time. So that's the sort of um, idea and the, the, the differences of the schools of thought that I have. But it's been you know kind of a fault of our own for not listing watts per kilogram from the beginning because that would motivate people to keep more track of their weight and have an idea of what they are actually doing because that's you know day to day when we're kind of you know talking through things we're not trying to fake a power number we're not trying to come out with a you know a number based off of power to run with so what we're trying to do is the most accurate thing which is why we say um you know update your weight if you can usually we say if it's within you know two pounds or a kilogram or something like that you you can update it to actually show what's going on because the people that started the companies are very rooted in science and they want to do the very scientific thing but then when it comes to a practical running scenario you know my thought is if we're you know doing a number based off power and we're going to be able to compare take your watts per kilogram multiply it by 100 all of a sudden you have a really comparable power number you can share with other people at your different levels and then you have a lot more of that room to play with because the number is going to be somewhere between 200 and 700 or something like that but that's not actually running power based off of what we're trying to do so that's that's kind of the main thing, I think. Um, other people have their different ideas, and I, I'd love to hear all the ideas about this is why I don't change my weight. One, because it's a hassle, and then I have to weigh myself. Um, but if I you know, set my weight on my device to 100 kilograms, I never have to update my weight again, ever, and I can just have that consistent number that I can look at the whole time. Because it'd be a different thing, too, if you, know, you had a 
a heart rate number that you had to vary based off of. Well, I think there's a thing called like heart rate reserve. You change your heart rate um, or you take your resting heart rate in the morning and you subtract that against your max heart rate. And then you have that kind of zone to play with. But that means you have to do something every morning and adjust your training and never have a consistent number and remember things in your head. So um, it's either for ease of use, never change your weight, or if you want to have the most accurate and what actually is going on thing possible, you change your weight when you lose or gain two pounds or like one kilogram. Yeah. Yeah. This, that was something I noticed when I was like, actually, because I am keeping constant mm -hmm. and then I'll throw, you know, two liters of fluid on. Yes. And now like, yes, I'm doing this, this power output, but I'm actually two kgs heavier. So it's, it's probably more like it's more. Yes. It's, it's, yes. A, it's a higher output. Yeah. Um, so then, you know, you're talking about your, your fiance, uh, mm -hmm. she's obviously fairly light. And um, then so just through the sensitivity, like the numbers that mm -hmm. she's going to run, she's running, uh, you know, I'm going to I do minutes per kilometer, because that's what yeah. I know, you know, 330s, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then yeah. say 345s. That sounds like, you know, she's running a 3510k, somewhere around mm -hmm. her threshold kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So there's not like that's 15 seconds per kilometer, mm -hmm. not that huge. And then in terms of the power, it's mm -hmm. going to be quite small. Like you said, 10 watts, um, you and I are going to be a lot higher. Like yeah. how, how sensitive is it? Um, for, I, I, you know, it, it's purely just based off the scale. So like it's a percentage. So like if you're like, let's say somebody has the, you know, has a weight of a hundred pounds, um, somebody has a weight of like 200 pounds, what they get for that, for that scaling. And it all depends on efficiency too. Right. So if somebody can translate, um, you know, a certain wattage, but at, at a certain pace better than somebody that weighs twice as much as them, that's going to be reflected too. So if we're using a very concrete example of, you know, my right foot has a stride that has 100 pounds, my left foot has a stride that's 200 pounds, the scale percentage in in like actual real time will be the same. It's just conceptually, when you're looking at your watch, you'll have a little bit different band. But yeah, percentage wise, it's it's the same if you're looking at the same exact person side by side. Yeah, yeah. So left and right, is it with? Do you, is that coming out? Like, um, I have no have idea. You noticed, uh, have you noticed I, difference? Have you done I, two watches, two yeah, feet? Like, yeah. Um, so, I mean, I wore two strides on my foot this morning to do testing because we're always trying to make things better. We're always testing things. So if I'm running around a track, I want to make sure things are, you know, lined up exactly as possible. Um, if I want to, you know, I have two strides that I know are really good for, you know, di distance and pace, or, you know, I, I know they're exactly right on. Um, then I can actually see this morning, my right foot, I, uh, it's one that I've been, it was the foot that I had the, uh, Achilles injury on. So that, that was my injury it was Achilles tendonitis for three months. Um, but I've been doing specific rehab for that. But for me, I look at the difference in the leg spring stiffness side by side and my left leg actually fatigued a little bit quicker than my right leg. Um, and that was something I found super interesting, but yeah, side by side. Uh, right now, uh, I can't say anything for sure because we just released a great new wind product and we're like all, all in on, you know, making sure that's on deadline and stuff. Um, I think it, you know, seeing the concept of, you know, concept in action of things like run scribe is, you know, another one of the, the foot pods and they do the specific, um, you know, biomechanical analysis in terms like pronation and different things side by side. 
that's where a dual pod setup would probably come in a little bit more handy if you're not necessarily focusing just on um, you know putting another expensive foot pod on on your other shoe. The thing that you have to get with that is actionable data. Um, so I I mean I can definitely say that's something that I asked in you know my first interview is like oh can you wear two of them and the answer is you know the current system isn't set up to give as much meaningful data as can be shown. So right now, no, it, it, it doesn't necessarily make sense because you have to put in a ton of work and then analyze these things side by side and then keep records of your own. If we you know, ever did a two foot setup, it would be because we found enough information that we thought was valuable enough for people to be able to, to get. Um, I think it's a cool thing. I'd really like to see it, um, but yeah, no, no specific or concrete plans uh, other than you know rogue employees putting one on each foot and just testing it for fun um, or people you know that have the fluid capital to spend you know money on two foot pods and do their own analysis they're more than welcome to for sure but uh, it's it, it's not as easy to compare that as it probably could be in the future if we decided it was worth it to do yeah, you need to get people just to understand power first. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Because then once you peel back the layers from just looking at power, there's all this other stuff that's going on with your foot that you can track. But a dual pod, you know, a two-foot setup would be ideal for that, for sure. Because we could probably estimate based off one foot right now, but we would never do that because we don't want to, you know, completely guess about the other foot if we could put, you know, a stride on the other foot and actually measure what's going on and then show people, hey, this is what's going on. This is your running. Yeah, I, I did a bit of research on power meters and there was like a power meter that um, came out and it was left side only. And we're like, surely that's not right. So we got in like a bunch of power meters and put them all <laughs> on the same bike and we did a proper study on it. Mm -hmm. And um, it turns out they're like, they measure pretty much the same thing. Um, yeah. And then I look, the more I looked into it, like, you know, leg strength discrepancies happen at the very highest level so it's almost like you know they're the top performers um, yeah and like yeah. they don't need to measure like one side's always going to be different so if we help them with one side are they going to actually be better it's like well at a certain right. point it's more about like getting the data applying it and then if you really need to dig into the nitty-gritty mm -hmm. okay both sides exactly and that's the you know you you don't want to for as as a again always coming back to the we're a company that sells a product and we have to stay afloat somehow um you don't want to just come out with another foot pod to put on somebody else's foot just to hopefully try and you'll, you'll never double sales because not everybody will go for two um but you don't want to just do it just because you want to do it because you think you can help people so if that means you know entering a sphere where you can help people rehab from injury and track that or you know you can actually um, signal fatigue or you can signal things ahead of time or you can analyze you know is your strength training actually working should you focus on this type? you want to do stuff like that rather than just say we can measure your left foot or your right foot if you only have you know one on right now you, you don't want to just do stuff like that but um, I'd love to see it because I I'd, I'd love to you know have that data of my own I'd I think it'd be super fascinating to just know because I'm I'm a right foot person, so um, there should probably be like team right foot, team left foot when it comes to stride. Uh, I think we if we ever did like a t-shirt campaign or something, that'd be 
that'd be something that's that's pretty funny to do. Uh, but I, I'm team right foot, but I'd love to know what my left foot is doing, uh, just because out of habit, I only do my right foot. Um, but it'd be interesting to see. But right now, yeah, yeah, nothing. Yeah, and I, we haven't really uh, mentioned how how to measure it because one thing, what like how to read the, mm. the data. Um, yeah, uh, you've just released the power zones. Yes, it's like which is awesome. So Matt, this is a Garmin data field, um, <laughs> and it just it tells you what what zones you're running in, like your your zones, similar to heart rate zones or pace zones, like been around before. But previously, and if you listen back to whatever episode it was where I had just run the Rotorua Marathon mm -hmm. and we only ever had stride power zone. It was just, um, not zone, sorry, just stride power. Just power, yeah. um, whatever the number was like in, in that point in time was coming out. And every time I looked, I was like slightly above where I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. um, but then never really thought anything of it. And then I went back retroactively, looked at it. I was like, Jesus, for the first like 15 Ks, I was about 10 watts above no, my no. highest level. But now you have um, you have like the average. You can have mm -hmm. the average power for a, for a lap. Exactly. Yeah, that's um, you know, that's something that's really new. And it might seem like a very just simple, oh yeah, just edit your Garmin data field coding to include what zone you're in. Um, yeah, so I wanted to like touch on that with the like because you guys are stride, you are not Garmin stride or oh like, yeah it makes with, it so with... difficult um <laughs> that's the it's the great work uh of a guy that you know he's a internet stride right now his name's colby he's actually the guy that i gave the example of um that had the high lss in the uh, adidas shoe versus the four percent shoe he wasn't as good in so he started for us uh, pretty recently um as our garmin developer and it's actually super complicated to do that because what Garmin does is if it's a native thing, so that means it's default on the watch, you don't have to set up anything else, it's pretty easy to work with. So um, you know, if they have bike power, they have bike power zones, they have zone alerts and stuff like that. You have heart rate alerts if you're doing running, you have pace alerts and stuff. Those are all native things to Garmin. So things that you normally have via default. When you're a third party like Stride, it's very difficult to get things on the garment sphere working exactly how you want because you're structured by limitations that they have put forward. The cool thing about the zones is we've actually built it in the way that it will grab your zones based off of your auto critical power. So if your auto critical power updates in our system, your zones update as well. It takes about, um, you know, it. It, it checks the system every couple of minutes. So as long as you wait about you know five to ten minutes after your last like critical power update in our in our system, you will have it live on your Garmin watch, and that's just so helpful. It literally could be a thing where you know let's say you run a personal best 10k, it updates to the system. By the time you're ready to cool down, like you switch shoes, your zones will be updated on your watch. Like it's it's that that cool of a thing, and I. I think that's and that's maybe a punishment if your critical power gets raised. Yeah, like, I was about to say you got to warm down. It like. <laughs> I turn my cooldown harder. It's like no, but it gives you a more realistic idea. Again, it's that thing where, as a company and as a idea of running and training with power, we want to make it as easy as possible to actually help people run with power. And so 
what's a super convenient thing? Oh, as your fitness changes, we'll show you, and we'll show you without you having to update anything from your end. Because in the past, you have to manually enter it yourself or remember, okay, don't go above 250 and check every five seconds to make sure you don't go above 250 for more than like three seconds. Um, but you know, with the current functionality, it's just one of the examples. It's a very little thing uh, on, on the relative sense for, you know, for Garmin users, they can have this data field that replaces the old data field, but it'll just show what zone they're in. It's that little thing, but it's so much hard work than from the people behind the scenes, and it makes people's running experience that much better. Like I, I've been using it for you know since we were testing it right before release, uh, and I have just found it so much better for my running experience day to day. It's just those little, little, little things that just get, get so much better with it. Um, but that's a microscopic thing on the scale of you know all the stuff that's supposed to roll out over the next couple of years. But it, it's helpful, and that's something that I love about it, is it's not just a thing that we put out there. Yeah, and even if you aren't interested in zones and you're just sort of interested in the number kind of thing, having the average, mm -hmm. like being able to do that, average like per lap and stuff was, yes. was really cool. And yes. why can't you have two? Because I'd love to have average and current. Yeah, um, if you have a if you have a newer watch, um, you can, but there's some there's some complications with um, memory shortage. That that's one of the big things. So actually, uh, this release that we're talking about the the stride zones up until. I think today, uh, it was only available for what's called Connect IQ 3 Plus watches. So some newer watches so like the, the 645 or any of the Phoenix series from Phoenix 3 and up. So the, some of the higher memory watches. But uh, Colby actually today just made it so any of the lower memory watches will be able to actually use the same thing. Um, all of this comes down to Garmin memory. So they have a very finite amount of memory that they can compute with with real time. So you have a sensor, an ANT plus sensor that, that is stride on your foot. It's sending out all this data at this frequency. Garmin, depending on the memory of watches, it can only collect and then show in real time a certain number of things. And that's just based off of whatever their technology is, right? It's whatever compression they use. It's whatever um, you know memory storage type they use. The higher-end watches will always have more functionality earlier. Um, but with the you know showing one at a time, it's a Garmin limit on certain watches. There is a, a app, I think it's called like App Builder, I think, in the Garmin Connect IQ, where depending on your watch, you can show two at a time. So you can show like overall power and then also like lap power. Um, but it is very dependent on the watch that you use and has to be like a, a higher end one. Um, but again, it's it's a Garmin um, functionality limit just in terms of how much memory and how much storage you can do second by second and then overall like in, in a fit file. Because we can, you know, we, we send all this data, then it's up to that watch to get it and then communicate it to the to the rest of the watch and, and save it yeah and like that's what i was really interested about because you are third party yes. and yeah you've got so i guess the three big players would be polar sunto and garmin um, yeah um apple watch is actually the best stride running experience by far um, really it's yeah the best um i don't think there's any competition if you actually 
if you have an Apple Watch and you download the Stride app and you run with it, um, it is hand, hands down the best by far. So they're, they're a major platform that nobody talks about because they have such a blank canvas. Apple gives all these developers all this room to work with. There's no, con they, you know, you, you don't have to play by the rules of Garmin or Suunto or Polar for all these things. You know, right now Polar will smooth the you know pace and distance coming from Stride and calibrate it just because that's what they do. But you know, Garmin gives you the option to apply your own calibration factor if you want. Um, Suunto has these certain frameworks, but Apple Watch it's literally all creative freedom is to the developer. So we have a great um, developer. Uh, his name is Reed, and he built a fantastic. Apple Watch app, and it's just such a good platform to work off of for specific, um, you know, running experiences, athletic experiences. The only downside is the battery life, and that's the only negative with Apple Watch. But um, for the big three in terms of major watch brands uh, for sports stuff, yeah, Garmin, Suunto, Polar are the, are, the, are the big three. Yeah, and so do you have to have someone working on, like, are you concentrated on a certain... I, like it just seems so complicated. Oh, it's to, very complicated. To, to yeah. Try and because you've also got like now Zwift, which is yeah. Um, I think they just released their own pod, did they? They um they, they acquired a company called Milestone Pod, and Milestone Pod is a little bit less expensive alternative. It's a thirty dollar foot pod, and it has a couple um different accelerometers in it, and it's used for Zwift purposes while running on, on the treadmill. Um, Milestone Pod in the past had been a way to have a, you know, de depending on the, the type of your GPS watch, if it's not something that does like GLONASS or Galileo or something like a, a high-end like 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 tracker um, in terms of GPS stuff, uh, it would make your GPS watch a little bit better by pairing in that, you know, that foot data that you're getting. Um, but yeah, no, they, they bought, Milestone Pod and rebranded it to Zwift Pod. They changed the M on the case to a Z. Um, but yeah, no, they they've had that for I want to say like nine months or something like that. Maybe I it literally all blends together. Um, but then you know a ton of people on Zwift still use Stride because it is a uh, as a byproduct of being a running power meter, it is extremely accurate and precise based off all the sensors that we actually use. Crazy! Um, it's in, crazy in it, so. how accurate it is. Yeah, it's. I was like, it's, how I was doing my own testing. Yeah. Um. Before one of when I got the first got the foot pod. Yeah. One, and I was doing an ultra, and mm -hmm. it's around the coast, so I was like, mm -hmm. the GPS just doesn't work with the cliffs yeah. and stuff. And um, so I had, for like three days, I just did the same run, and I mm -hmm. did it with like the combined, the mm -hmm. individual, and then like, and it was, I was like, how is it so accurate? It's yeah, like, it's uh, it's an F I. I don't want to say it's an afterthought. It's obviously designed to be very good for pace and distance, but um, it was a unintended consequence of being a very, very good, uh, you know, very, very good sensors and very, very good things put together uh, to give you know all the calculations that we actually need to do to get as as close to possible. Um, yeah, it's very good, very scary, accurate, and precise. Sometimes people will be like. How does it do it? I start my run from the same spot, and usually my GPS will vary. You know, if in the past it had varied between this thirty-meter stretch, but literally every time when I'm running, it's the same exact like crack in the sidewalk. Exactly. Um, yeah. It's 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 very fun to to hear people talk about it in that way. So then, with the the new one, yeah, um, and it's not 
out yet. Um, Not yet. Um, the very the, the latest update is um, the very end of July, which is in only a couple of days, uh, or the very beginning of August. Yeah. So it measures wind. Or yes. Like airflow or. Um, not air what can you say about it yeah i I was um, like reading it and i was like they haven't said anything they just said proprietary algorithm (laughs) yeah we we have a we have a white paper coming out um and the plan is to release that before the product actually starts shipping to give people that were maybe um on the fence about it or waiting to see other reviews and stuff about it um we actually are sending out the first media devices because we want to get people's reviews before it actually comes out so we have about 10 or 15 that are you know very handmade not large production um scale yet uh but uh, those are being sent out very very soon i don't know the exact update for that um but for wind to measure airflow would require a you know a very a, a two open-ended thing right like you need to have a hole at the front a hole at the back to measure the flow of air through it but that's not what we do um wind speed you need to have you know an anemometer. Uh, it's something to measure the wind speed that way, and that's not what we do. We have you know tons of anemometers and, and stuff. We've done tons of testing and stuff. What and I I don't want to mess up the explanation and say something wrong that everybody else at Stride knows is correct because again my my background is a bachelor's of science, but my science is political science. Um, so uh, it is a very very good and very, very, very well-tested air pressure sensor. So when we care about showing wattage based off of the wind, what we care about is sensing the changes in air pressure because that is what the wind is. And so it's it's very hard for me to conceptualize until I read all these you know all these articles and all these scientific studies and all this stuff. Um, I've actually taken upon myself. There's this great book. It's um, called the the Secret of Running. It's by these guys uh, named Ron and Hans, and they're from the Netherlands. And they were actually a third party test. I don't know if you guys saw the DC Rainmaker review Man, um, of, it, <laughs> of, uh, <laughs> of when he was in the wind tunnel. But you know we we had. Literally, literally stride number zero uh, in, in a wind tunnel in the Netherlands because we tested it multiple wind tunnels in the U.S. Um, at different altitudes, at different humidity. Uh, we, all, we actually have very good natural wind in Boulder because we sit right at the base of mountains, and so we get very nice airflow, very unpredictable and dynamic windy conditions in real-world scenarios because you can go and blow a fan on something and say, we are pushing air at this speed, at this sensor, you can say, okay, that's the lab. Um, but then when you go out and actually run in real world conditions, you notice things are not exactly like the lab. And that's been a fault of you know, other things in the past, of you know, different approaches in the past of trying to make something from the lab to the road. But when it comes to stride, what we're looking at is the differential in the, you know, the, the air pressure, it's done in a, very, very, very good way, uh, a, a very, very tested way. I remember last fall running, you know, running in real world conditions. And I was like, oh my gosh, we're going to have this ready, you know, by the time winter rolls around and then everybody's going to be able to use it, you know, come January. And then now we're in July because could it have been like shipped out and been a feature that's enabled? Yes, but it's not all the way to what it needed to be to be produced and shipped out to people. And so 
we could have done something where we approximated wind based off of you know wind power needed uh, to overcome the force of air resistance based off of our past sensors and our past barometers and stuff. But that that was not right in terms of like how we view how we need to do things. And so what I feel like is on, honestly like too much testing and too much caution has gone into now this product that is going to ship out at the you know the beginning of August, the, the end of July, just in a couple of days here. Um, but yeah, no, it's specifically uh, testing in real world conditions is something we've had you know, literally everybody in the office do because everybody wears different size shoes. Everybody has different running form. Um, we can't afford to send everybody to a wind tunnel, but we've gone to quite a few wind tunnels. We've gone overseas to wind tunnels, which we didn't need to do, but we did anyway, just to, you know, get a person that wasn't us to write, you know, their thoughts. And, you know, uh, for people that don't know Ray, he's actually been um, fairly critical of us in the past for the fact that we had not done wind. Uh, and that was, you know, the one drawback is stride doesn't do wind. So it's just a power estimator. It's not actually a power meter. Um, but now with, you know, the increase in testing, it was a very cool thing to see somebody that had been a very um, open critic, but a, a positive critic, um, somebody to give us criticism to make us better, um, actually run with the product for, for you know, mo model number zero, or version zero of, of the wind and stuff. But um, I'm, I'm super excited for people to see it because, people don't understand air resistance as a concept in running. It's not something that people are used to. They just think, when I run faster, I hear more air go by my ears. And when there's a headwind, I can feel it. And when there's a tailwind, I can't. But I don't actually know what to do because you can't actually sense it. You can't actually see it. You can't actually feel it other than you know between your ears and your head. Um, but it's a very real thing. It's a very cool thing as well once you do understand how it impacts you when when you are out there running yeah because the current one um sort of i guess that is a, a critique of it that it doesn't mm -hmm. take into account when so if you have a tailwind and you're running at a certain pace normally your it requires a certain amount of energy over time like yes. you weigh 100 kgs and you're moving at five minute k's whatever exactly. four four minute mile and you're like it um yeah it takes that long yeah and so exactly. then it says like but you've got a wind pushing you the whole way um it's actually not requiring as much energy and so right. now you're you're there like it's it's going to be out and the, the the one thing even if people you know you know somebody might say i don't care about the wind i don't care about air resistance even if it was a you know a feature that was just kind of a I, I don't think it's a gimmick, um, but if people thought it might be a gimmick, it's a, a sense of completeness too, because we, we could have definitely just kept making the current version that we made because people yeah, still yeah. love it. But the sake of completeness of knowing what's going around in your environment and what's actually happening to your body is, again, that kind of thing that I've, I learned from day one. That's what everybody is striving for. You know, at, at, at the office, everybody wants to make you know as good of a thing as possible and make it actually valuable for people so you know in in the past yeah you know there's a headwind you know it's hard to run into but now you can actually see exactly how hard it is to run into um for you i gotta plug my charger in for, for just a second so that's why i'm going off screen for a second but i can still hear you yeah well i think that pretty much pretty much does it i mean <laughs> i know will loves this stuff like he loves running power um <laughs> 
I love power. Will loves running power, especially. <laughs> and, uh, he's always talking about his stride. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I know a lot of our listeners are into running or they're into something really technical. And I think, like, it, this tells them a lot, actually, about kind of what's going on in the background, what mm-hmm. companies are up to, and, you know, a little bit about a new product that's really cool. Yeah. Um, I'm super excited. I've been excited since I was clued into the fact that it was something that was being thought up. Um, and then the ball just started rolling and it hasn't stopped yet. It feels kind of like the uh, Indiana Jones movie scene where that giant boulder is like rolling behind you and you keep looking back over your shoulder and stuff. But that, <laughs> that's what it feels like. Uh, we started something and now it's it's going to come out. So it's going to be it's going to be super duper cool. But I'm I'm very excited because I've been running with it for a bit and it's just very cool to see. And there's a ton of other things besides just the wind. There's all these brand new things that we haven't really pushed um, or haven't really talked about that people are going to be so excited about. So I'm, I'm excited for that. Cool. And so then where, where should people go to, to follow stride and yeah. check it out? Um, it's on social media. Um, I mean, we're on social media. We actually have a new social media team of uh, a couple of the customer service Social people. media team. Team. Yeah, that uh, sounds but, cool. <laughs> it's great because uh, we're the people that are doing customer service, but um, we're also the people that have our own like Instagram accounts. And so we know what it's like to post on social media. Um, but we, we've actually been, this has been like a huge strategy to just showcase more people that are using Stride and celebrate you know, the people that tag us in the past, there have been a ton of people that, you know, tagged us and had been completely ignored, but now we have, you know, three different eyes on it and it just feels like more of a community. And that's, that's one of the big goals. Um, but yeah, at stride running on Instagram. So it's S T R Y D R U N N I N G. And then on Twitter, it's at stride running, but we don't really tweet that much. But if people, you know, mention us, we usually give them a retweet and stuff. Cause we, we just love seeing people, um, talk about us. And then we also have a podcast that I've had as a pet project. Um, and the episode started as weekly, but now it's going to more of like a every other week just to make sure we don't saturate too many things and we don't put too many things in, in front of people. Um, we kind of space it out. Um, but that's just, I think if you just search for yeah, stride on whatever platform you get your podcasts on, you, you should be able to find it. It's, it's very easy to find. Um, I think that's it. And then, yeah, there's a Facebook community for it, but um, you can find that very easily as well. Yeah, so I'll link I'll link to all the all of those yeah. as well. And cool. um, yeah, and so if people are keen to buy it, they they should they can buy the the wind one. It just won't ship straight away. Yeah, so we, we it's a pre order right now. Um, but again, if depending on when you guys release it, it should just be a couple of days. But your orders, yeah, hundred percent reserved. Uh, one of the cool things that we have. Uh, now, too, in conjunction with the WindPod is now we have uh, a globalization in terms of, like a web store, so it'll actually reflect like current like currency, local currency. So like if somebody was ordering in the UK in the past, it was you know shown in USD, but it that is not the proper thing to do. So we expanded to like eight different web stores to catch all these different countries. But you'll find um, if you just go to store.stride.com, it'll redirect to to your store. Um, but yeah, you can you can order it, uh, and it'll ship out at, literally as soon as we have it. Where some people are, you know, thinking we're holding on to it, but it's like no, we we're trying to get it out as soon as possible so more people can run with it and stuff. But yeah, um, yeah, if you just go to stride.com or store.stride.com, you can read all about um, all all the all the different things that we have about it, and then you can order one if you'd like. Awesome. Well, that's pretty much do us for for this episode. 
thanks heaps for coming on it's been been a pleasure to have you on and enjoyed hearing all the stories and tips and tricks and stuff yeah this has been so much fun i i, I love talking about it in my daily life but then coming on a podcast i, love podcasts. <laughs> I i'm gonna listen to this for sure and i'm gonna hate the sound of my voice but i uh I, I i love coming on the podcast and listening and if people enjoyed you personally yeah. you have your own podcast um, yes and obviously i'm guessing social media accounts i do um i'm one of the people on twitter too that i just retweet stuff i don't really tweet that much anymore um, i told will twitter's dead we we always talk about this Twi twitter is not no one yeah i the, the the main reason i go on twitter is because i have two friends that are in like you've a, got two a, friends i do and it's wonderful I, I have two people that i follow now uh in a group message and they just send funny tweets that they find so i don't even need to do the hard work of scrolling through like a trash timeline um, looking for different tweets and stuff. I just get the funny tweets delivered right to me. So that probably needs to be like a different social platform. Um, but yeah, I, I'm on Twitter. If you just search like first name, last name, it's like one of the people with a running picture. Um, I'm on Instagram and it's Evan M. Schwartz, uh, S-C-H-W-A-R-T-Z is how you spell it. Um, and it's one of the people with a running picture. So um, that, that should get you close enough. I like Instagram more, but I still don't post that much. Um, I just like seeing what other people do on, on social media. I'm, I'm not the biggest, biggest person. So, um, but then, yeah, I, I do my own podcast. It's, uh, it's the 1609 podcast. So 1609 podcast. Uh, it's like a weekly show where my co-host and I, we talk about like weekly elite running news, any topics, why the, you know, IWF and USATF sucks so bad, all about why people, you know, dope and why they're terrible people for taking illegal drugs and stuff like that at the professional level. So um, if you if you want to listen to that, uh, it's a it's a fun listen, I think. I, I enjoy it every week. So it's 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 pretty fun. All right. Cool. Okay then. Well, thanks. Enjoy your evening. It it is uh, I need to get my second run in. So yeah, it, it's still <laughs> kind of sunny out though. But uh, I appreciate uh, you guys taking the time. This was a blast. All right, cool. See you Thank later. You.